Welcome to Pharma Talk Radio. I'm Valerie Bowling. I'm pleased to share a session from DFARM's 2019 Pharma Innovation section, where J&J's Dr. Martine Louie addressed the evolution of using real-world data to create trial readiness cohorts. For details on the 10th annual DFARM event, visit theconferenceforum.org. Enjoy the podcast. So I'm Tinnali for the ones who just came in, and I'm um, actually in, uh, in innovation initiatives uh, in patient data for research. That's also the topic of the talk. Um, I will cover three areas. First of all, what is the state of the art? How are we using patient data today, especially focusing on the electronic health records? Second, I will introduce two innovation initiatives that I know will be hot topics in the years to come. And third, I will connect to indeed accelerating the drug um, development uh, cycle. So first of all, the, the ecosystem, the health ecosystem is changing as we all know. We have a strong focus today on prevention. We also want to intercept more diseases before they actually manifest clinically, so during the incubation period. And in terms of cures, we're really now moving swiftly in targeted, more targeted treatments. And actually, this change in the health ecosystem, we've seen that there are, this brings along new data requirements. In parallel, we all know the big data, the old patient data, the new types of patient data that become available is giving us opportunities. But there are also challenges. So let's first um, look at perhaps the, the less bright side of uh, working with patient data. And again, I'll focus more on the electronic health records because we did make some progress over the past, I would say, decades in applying and using this type of data. EHRs are mainly or primarily intended for supporting the care processes. So when we use the EHR or reuse, the, the secondary reuse, we say, of the EHR data, we will run in some privacy, legal, and ethical concerns. And this is a result of the kind of the question on ownership and the right to use the patient data. So these are, and we have found some answers on proper use and in the right privacy and legal setting. But then still we have um, concerns and issues in that patient data, and think about the EHR, is still very siloed. Not all the data that we would need for in-depth research is available today in the EHR. Think about imaging data, the detailed lab data, this may not be intended to be captured at the moment uh, in the care process. So oftentimes we find ourselves, what we say, a little bit in a semantic chaos. And we know from all the vendor solutions available, there are huge efforts still ongoing in the interoperability of solutions and systems. Next, from experience, uh, we know that the data quality of the patient data is not always at the standard that we're used to in the clinical trials. Far from, I would say. Data quality is a prerequisite. And uh, again, EHR data, but also other patient-level data, has a lot of missing values. So it was also mentioned, interestingly, this morning that we have invested now, today, from EHRs, we've developed mature methods that allow us to reuse the EHRs. There can be differences in medical cultures as well. If you run international global analysis, this is very obvious. 
but also even across healthcare organizations within one country, there are medical cultural differences. And this is one of the reasons for biases in data capture and reporting, again, to be taken into account when we use very rigid statistical methods. And last but not least, and I've kind of put it in bold, the trust is very important. If we work with patient-level data and we know that actually the data belongs to the patients, the trust among all the stakeholders, the custodians, hospitals that look after the patient data is very critical. So I'm going to highlight in the state of the art on some work that we've done in federated data networks. And there are advantages for those who don't know federated data networks. The control of the data really stays with the owner or the custodian in this federated data network. And therefore, implicitly, the local legal and ethical approval supply. So we can overcome some of these challenges. No patient data has to leave the hospital or the site. And that gives, again, uh, guarantees for data privacy. I'm European. GDPR, the data protection regulations, are very serious and, you know, breaches, um, I'm sure, also in the US, their guidelines, but Europe at the moment is quite rigid in this domain. Federated data networks, they build in their solution the privacy by design, so overcoming this problem. Analysis takes place or the analysis actually is brought to the data, so there is no need to pull the data outside of the hospital. Again, a main uh, benefit of this federated data network. And we use a common data model, which allows efficient search and analysis across multiple data sets. So even the uh, several sites are connected to this network, thanks to the common data model, the harmonization, this is possible. And last but not least, here, we have several examples in federated networks, and I know also in the US, where there is a good collaboration. It's a fair way of sharing and accessing patient and EHR data. As a European, I like to uh, refer to a success story, but it took a long time. It was called EHR for CR. For you who know uh, IMI, Innovative Medicine Initiatives, public-private funded initiatives, this is very interesting because it's multi-stakeholder. The sites were there, the hospitals, the patient associations were there, and the sponsor, the pharma companies. So these federated networks are now mature, and I'll give you two examples of where we use them in our company, where also other parties, there are commercial platforms available, and there are more and more academic um, uh, academic initiatives using the federated data networks. So it can be used today for trial design, study placement, and also accelerating recruitment or the chart review. I mentioned the data quality, and again, in Europe, we, it's very new, but we have a lot of work to do on data quality in Europe because of fragmentation totally different situation compared to the US. So we have this European Institute for Innovation through health data that looks, that's an independent body. It's not from the pharma companies, it's not commercial. It works very closely with data custodians, hospitals to improve data quality and jointly look for solutions in the legal and privacy. Again, encouraging this trust. So this is an example how we actually use this mature platform. And it is very convenient, actually, 
it is quite simple in terms of analytics. This is query basis. This is the lowest end of analysis. But it's quite remarkable that a platform can allow near real-time access to test here, in this case, trial design, protocol feasibility. And as I said, we can work with the development teams and online they can see changing inclusion-exclusion criteria. What is the effect on a patient eligibility, patient availability. One step further, it also allows to contact some of the sites and to see their patient numbers. So again, always where the owners of the data or the custodians have a lot of control. And taking it then into the hospitals and the benefits, what's in it for them? This is just one example where an investigator for one of our neuroscience trials has used the platform and prior to using the platform, could only over three years have four, pa uh, sorry, three months, four patients identified and using the platform in one month could identify three times as many patients and really checking the charts, know that these would be missed uh, if the platform wasn't used. So talking about the state of the art in the past examples, so what's next? A logic uh, result of the work we did with the electronic health records is now going from electronic health records to the EDC. I know there are several presentations and I'm, I'm very much uh, you know, happy I'm here in the US today because I know the US has more initiatives in Europe. I'm only aware of one that emerged in Europe. It's again a public-private funded project, this time by EIT. And it is quite ambitious. As you will see, primary objective is the auto-population of the ECRF forms, but it will also look at processes. So beyond the data, like continuous subject monitoring, there is quite some process-related improvement as well. It will look at how can we have access to data for analysis much faster. And ultimately, it would look at bi-directional data enrichment. So not only from the EHR to the EDC, but also back into the EHR when, for example, some interesting measures are taken in the trial context. It can be enriching to the EHR. I was um, also uh, very happy to hear this morning um, uh, Rod McKinsey from Pfizer saying it's really important that we work on the standards because without standards it will really advance much slower. So again, some pre-competitive possibilities to collaborate. A second initiative is very exciting. And here I want to talk about the connected and the enriched patient data. This was also mentioned this morning, so happy to see that we're quite aligned. Uh, the phenotypical data from the EHRs and the available patient data, I've talked about that, but what we really need is the genotypical in combination with the phenotypical. And not only that, our trials already look at genomic alterations, but now, uh, again, as Gottlieb mentioned it this morning, the way we still work with EPROs in our trials, there is much more opportunity to work with, for example, continuous monitoring data in combination probably with an advanced way of EPRO. But combining this data, that's now the big challenge. And I think it's a challenge that will keep us busy a few years. For prevention purposes, social data, think about um, social networks, um, economical factors can play an important role. 
So what will keep us busy, I think, in Europe at least, is quite a bit of the ethical, legal and privacy. Technology is not the problem. It's about having the possibilities to, in a secure environment, share data. I think the opportunity is really the patient engagement, and I would like to link to some of the interesting sessions, for example, return of data that are also covered in, in this uh, conference. So there are challenges, there are opportunities, and then, of course, the excitement, because now we can go beyond the lower level analysis, querying, we can really, with good quality and, and big data, we can use the artificial intelligence and machine learning. I have to go rather quickly, but again, I stressed a few times the data quality. And here I want to distinguish where we started 10 years ago to explore the use of the EHRs, but with a lot of the handicaps, because data as a byproduct of routine care process are not that eligible for real in-depth research. We've seen the evolution and still uh, different HCOs are at different levels of maturity in integrated data, but that's really administrative. They build data lakes within their own organization. Next step is the harmonized data, quite some initiatives in that area. This now enables fast analysis at scale. The data needs to be mapped and harmonized, and now we can lo look across the different uh, data sets and institutions. But it's really the enriched data that we want to have. And that, I mean, quality and the next um, uh, few slides uh, remaining will indicate why we need to work on this data quality and be very conscious about the hierarchy of data quality. Because when we want to use it complementary to the RCT data or eventually sometimes replace our RCT data, then we really need to have a very, very good trust in the data as well. And this is then the exciting story that you hear but really not so easy to accomplish. So the EHR data is the broad data. It remains very important. But then you have all the other types of data. And what we see that works is by disease area to develop this kind of a T-shaped, and I should give some credit, I always understood it was IQVIA first introducing it. But now after introducing it, after a few years, this is possible. And it's not only data, but also the infrastructure. So the readiness cohorts, it's another buzzword, but it's now possible with all the data that is brought together. And it will allow for patients that are ready, that have already inconsented, and can be enrolled quickly in various clinical trials. So just to conclude, uh, just bring up the slide, but I've highlighted some of the aspects of enriched and connected data. I have also stressed um, that uh, there is a lot of need for innovation still in this space and that's only possible in a collaborative way. And linking it back, I mean, how it can, uh, you know, accelerate drug development for all the new topics in prevention, in disease interception and targeted treatments. With this kind of linked and enriched data, we will have new insights that will ultimately benefit our patients. So thank you for your attention. Excellent. Thank you, Tina. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. For information on the 10th Annual DFARM, visit theconferenceforum.org.